Hello and welcome to the Seeking Health Podcast with Josiah Meyer. Seek health, find God, and ministries will find you. And today we're going to have a part two of talking about ATI with my very favorite person in the world, Angiska Meyer, my wife. Hi, can't wait to be interrogated. (laughs) He's got his... um sheet with questions ready to check off as he asks me that's why i said that (laughs) and you've got your chair pointed at me like we're (laughs) in an interrogation this isn't awkward at all (laughs) so i was listening to our podcast and i really really liked it it was my favorite one so far good and the first one so it's it's so much more fun than just listening to myself (laughs) Which I actually do, and it's not creepy at all. Um, <laughs> but I have so many questions. Okay. So, um, well, the first thing I was thinking of is when I talked about it on Facebook, uh, I said something about how they forbid uh, TV and they forbid other things. Dress, yes. pants, and things like that. And he corrected me on Birth that. control. Birth control, yeah. yeah. And you corrected me on that and said, well, actually, they don't forbid things. Yeah. Well, from how I remember it, those things were not forbidden, but they were talked about that um, they don't lead to a good Christian life. Like, you're, they're not good for you. They're, um, you're a lesser Christian mm-hmm. if you watch TV. Um, you are not following God's leading in your life if you use birth control because God will give you the amount of children he wants you to have. So you're lesser if you're not trusting in God, but to control your family size by using birth control or vasectomy or anything like that, you're controlling, you're taking control of your life instead of letting God control. So it's not forbidden, but they encourage it so much in such spiritual terms that you leave a seminar and you go home and burn all your rock music and you go home and sell all your kids Barbies. Can't say that from experience. And you go home and get rid of all these certain dolls or get rid of the <laughs> condoms, I guess. <laughs> get rid of the vasectomy. There's a lot of reversals, yes. So it's like it's not forbidden, but somehow it makes you be a better Christian. Like you're, you just does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's there's two things I'm thinking about that. One is that I really want to like. I want there to be a book, or I want to find the book, or write the book about like, what are the crazy rules and why are they wrong? And I'm getting the picture that this book will never happen. Because yeah. it, I don't think that it's written down. It's like expectations that people kind of catch more than like. Mm-hmm. Definitely like, yeah, definitely expectations you catch. And they, they coat everything with just enough truth from the Bible that you feel like it's truly biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not biblical to not do it or you're not following as well. Um, they also talk a lot about personal convictions. Mm-hmm. That's really huge, personal convictions. So what is your personal convictions as you read the Bible? But it's almost like they whisper into your ear what your personal conviction should be. Um, <laughs> even graduating high school, like you have to fill out this book of knowledge or this book of virtue or this book of... I forget the third one now. Well, last podcast, I only remembered one, so that's good. Now I remember two. <laughs> but one section of it, I remember, you had to, you, there was all these blank places to fill out your personal convictions. So it's like, you have to have personal convictions. Mm-hmm. Like, it's huge. Like, And they're basically vows mm-hmm. that you take. Um, and those things all fall into that. So they become not what you're told to do, not that it's banned, but it becomes your personal conviction. And if it's your personal conviction, it comes from God and God asked you to do that. So now you have to do that, you know, like it, it, that's what's so tricky about ATI. And that's why I think you won't find that book that you're looking for. Um, and why there is like a lot of posts or blog posts or podcasts or like that there's getting more and more that talk about it, trying to figure it out because it's so like, 
little bit of truth coated with a whole lot of crap. <laughs> and it also seems like, and I think we've talked about this before, like, it's not like it, it gets you to do it. Yeah. You know, so it's not like somebody else is like telling you what to do. It's the way that the material is written. It's like, what are your convictions? Yeah. What, and as a teenager, I held convictions that even my parents didn't hold. Mm-hmm. I took everything further than they took. Um, I can't blame them for that. That was my own fault. But then I look back and it was so strongly pushed and encouraged mm-hmm. through the writing and the two months I spent at their training school and all these things. Like It was pushed so much that especially as a young, as a teen that's trying to figure out life and trying to figure out how to be a good Christian and trying to figure out all the rules for living. Um, it's very, you're very impressionable. Right. So I don't blame my parents for it, but I'm also learning not to blame myself for it Yeah. because it, I was put in that bubble that made me adopt all those strong rules. So in, I had long hair, I took off my earrings, I didn't wear pants anymore, I only listened to classical music or hymns, I only read Christian stuff, I, you know, like it, very religious about my Bible reading, very, all these things, like it, it, it was all my own fault, quote unquote, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it was my personal convictions. Yeah. I will not date, I will not go dancing, I will not, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah personal convictions (laughs) what that makes me think of is like when you're a teacher or when you're in a counseling setting what the person wants from you is rules like even like when we're we've talked about this like when we're talking with our counselor like we'll often ask them like so what do you think i should do and a good counselor will be like what do you think you should do that's what my counselor says (laughs) and it can be frustrating right (laughs) yeah but like there's this human need of like, I'm confused. Tell me what to do. Yeah. And I've noticed before, like if I come down from the podium after preaching and I've given people rules, they're really, really excited about that. And I do my best not to give people rules. I try and like kind of guide them towards like, you know, finding their own truth, you know, or like having their own relationship with God. But, but people like it when you give them rules. And the other thing that they're looking for is approval. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when you set the goal out there and say, if you do this, then good job. You know, you'll, you'll have yeah. that approval. And some people are a lot more sensitive to that than others. Like some people have that security in themselves, but some people don't. Yeah. And they're like really suckers for anybody that will tell them that, that you know, good job. You know? Yeah. And I think that that's actually me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I took everything further than even my parents set it out to be. Um, even talking with my siblings now, years later, they also mentioned that it was like sort of the goody two shoe, you know, and mm-hmm. like I took everything out further, but it gained me approval and it yeah. gave me attention. And, um, I could go out and represent the family and my parents would trust me and all this thing. So like there it's encouraged and it's rewarded. Yeah. And I shouldn't have said suckers. That's a little bit. Uh, I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) But also like if the family is a little bit like, I'm not saying it's about yours, but like, you know, no family's perfect and you do maybe perhaps have a little bit of rivalries or, or if, if, if the fa- if the parents themselves are looking for approval, then how can how can you get approval? Well, if if you make the family look good, then you're really gonna get approval. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know if this is too big of a question, but I kind of wonder if the people like the parents that get into it in the first place are they looking for approval? Yeah. You know, are they looking for rules? Are they looking for some sort of a structure? And are they looking for like how can they? have a, a world that all makes sense so that they look good you yeah know? like and i've i've heard that you know you join uh survivors of ati groups or you know a life after ati and things like that and there's often talks about that like it seems like ati attra- attracts people that needed rules like first generation christian i think is a big one um uh one of the categories but also people that just 
really want to have the rules for how to raise their kids mm-hmm. and this gave them the promise that if they follow these rules the kids would turn out well they would have a good family a perfect family and everybody would serve god with a huge smile on their countenance i mean face <laughs> and live happily ever after and all be together in heaven like it 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 just promised what it should never promise yeah um but no nothing can promise that because mm-hmm. it this free will (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and also I think it also attracts some people with narcissistic tendencies because it it gives them control yeah it gives control over their kids or their families all coded in religion yeah I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I was thinking and um, like I've had recent podcasts on narcissism and how they create the golden child and the scapegoat and and people kind of compete with one another in the family or the organization and and they themselves have that deep insecurity that's mm-hmm. what drives the narcissist and so it's a way to be in control and then also to to have that perfect image yeah and you've mentioned a few times like like ideally our relationship with god should be between us and god right but it seems like there's a real comparison to others and that's kind of how they yeah but there's also like the structure of authority authority Mm. is huge in ati the hierarchy of authority basically so there's god and then there's men and then there's women and then there's kids so um we say relationships should be between us and god and that is taught your devotions before anything else, or you can only have as much movie time as screen time as you've had devotional time that day. That was heard that one a lot. Um, so it was personal relationship, but your father or your husband is over you, over you in authority and under God. He's under God. You're under your husband or your dad. So what you believe in your personal convictions, they kind of end up having to come to agree with what your authority figure over you um, believes. Mm. Because otherwise, how would that work? Right. Because they're your authority. They're the voice of God in your life. You know? like it. So you can't really have an opinion. Like... Yeah. Like I... Um... I don't know. I remember one time I had been exposed to a bunch of, um, I don't know, maybe that's too personal, but like to Mennonites. And I thought, oh, well, head coverings, that's the thing I should do to be an even better Christian. I mean, it talks about it in the Bible and we follow a bunch of rules in the Bible. So why shouldn't we follow that one? Mm-hmm. Um, except in our family, we weren't Mennonite. We were Baptist and head covering was not a thing that passage could be explained away. <laughs> so um, my authority figure would have none of that um, in the house. And that's actually like always stuck out to me because there was no explanation. There was no discussing of it. That was just the rule. That's what you did in this house. Um, so my personal conviction was not, at the time, did not go with my authority figure. Mm-hmm. And it was just shut down very quickly. Um, yeah so it kind of throws a certain like it's your personal relationship with God and that will come out over and over and over but if you're under the authority of your parents you're under the authority of your dad you're under the authority of your husband what happens if your belief is different than theirs yeah it's like a double standard well it's going to be conflict (laughs) Yeah, but you're supposed to be submissive to your authority so who has the final say? The authority. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it seems like it must lead to like believing that their experience of God is better than your experience of God. Somehow. Yeah. Well, they're, they're sort of seniors. Like they're, mm-hmm. yeah, they have more life experience. They have more, they understand life better. I mean, like, well, if we didn't do it like that when we were your age, but that's because we didn't know any better. Mm. but now we can teach you better so this is what you need to do mm-hmm. I mean it your youth is held against you there's nothing you can do about that 
So Gothard is famous for his umbrella. Yes. And I've actually found it in other books mentioning Gothardism. And when they say Gothardism, they mean the umbrella teaching. Really? Yeah. It's huge teaching. So can you tell us about the umbrella? Well, I just mentioned it, really, like the Mm -hmm. umbrella of protection. It's, um, so you have God, and then you have the umbrella of your, which would be your father, and then the mother's underneath it, and then the kids. But when you get married, then you step out from your father's authority under, as a woman, under your husband's authority. But not until then. So even if you get married at 40, before that, you will be under your father's authority. Umbrella. And if you step out of his umbrella for protection, the darts of Satan will come and attack you. And you're out of his protection. You're no longer protected. So that's a metaphor. What they, but mean? we've seen these pictures at the seminars and their books over and over. Like I can very clearly see the picture in my mind. Hmm. I've seen it so much. The darts of, the, of Satan, I mean, it's any temptation. Sexual temptation, or or probably rape, I would think. Mm. Um, uh, evil influences like um, witchcraft or demon possession. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big thing, like demon possession. I mean, really, when you think about, like in ATI, like anything, you're pretty scared of getting demon possessed. And anything oh. can become demon possessed. Like you can become demon possessed without your knowledge. I'm... I was thinking about that today, actually. Like, I don't think you can get demon-possessed without you accepting it. But it almost gives that impression because you have Mm. to get rid of your rock music that might be demon-possessed. You have to get rid of these toys that might be demon-possessed. You have to get... Like it... Mm -hmm. So if you're out from your authority, the umbrella of your authority, then you're no longer protected under God. Mm. You're no longer protected from the devil's attacks. That sounds like a tremendous amount of control. Well, it is scary. I, it's scary because if you're no longer protected by under your father, then who wants to risk that? Then all hell could break loose. As a young girl, you can be an adult. A young adult wants to move on out on her own, her own apartment, but her father might not want her to. So what happens? She has to stay home under his authority, doing what he wants her to do. But a young woman needs to be able to make her own life. Mm-hmm. So if she leaves and he does not, her father does not approve, then she's out from his protection. Mm-hmm. And she's open to the devil's attack. I mean, that's mentally is huge to overcome. And then if something bad happens, which it's life. Right, I was going to ask that. I mean, life happens. Life mm-hmm. is not always good. Even if you're under your father's authority, you can get raped. Mm-hmm. But what if you've moved on your own and you feel totally good about it and you feel like God's blessing on your life with it, but you're on, out from your father's authority and then you get taken advantage of? Mm-hmm. Where's your mind going to go to? Mm-hmm. That it was my fault. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. Oh, that makes me so mad. It's not a fault. But it's where it's victim blaming. Yeah. And it seems to me like it's just another layer of control. Like like we were talking about in the previous podcast, like it's it's a cult type mindset and it puts control protocols in there so that when you start to cross a boundary then beep 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 a control protocol beeps in. And like the th- the thing I've, I've started noticing about myself, like we can all get into this kind of superstitious mindset, like, or, or a, a guilt mindset, like, like all, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like if in your mind you feel like you did something wrong, the next thing that breaks, you'll blame it on God's judgment or something, yeah. you know, like, like you can be walking around with guilt and not really conscious of it. And then you drop a plate and you're like, Oh God, I'm so sorry. You know, like, yeah. Well, actually, like if, if you're walking around with that guilt, you know, or that teaching that protocol, yeah. Then anything that happens all of a sudden becomes God punishing you or demons attacking you to push you back to your dad. You know, yeah. it's a very strong. And it ends up in a lot of judgment of others because right. if they get, 
if they're having a crappy year, <laughs> mm-hmm. what do they do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do they not disobey God? And I remember as a young adult, I mean, you'll remember this, when we were just going out together, mm-hmm. um, I was sick a lot. Mm-hmm. Lots of stress. Lots of stress. That's a whole other story in itself. But, mm-hmm. um, And I was sick a lot. I couldn't even work full time. And what I heard, because this is what ATI teaches, is that it was my fault. Mm-hmm. That I was sick because God was punishing me. Because in HI, there was the, the teaching of the three types of sickness. Sickness unto death, sickness unto the glory of God, and sickness... Um, I forget what that one is called. Do you remember what that one's called? Sickness for punishment. Like, if you're disobeying God. If you're, if you're not um, following... If you're not under God's authority very well at the moment... God will punish you with a sickness to try and bring you back. Mm-hmm. And I was so sick then, and it was not my fault. Mm-hmm. I can look back 15 years later, and I can pinpoint some of the reasons that happened. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stress in my home at the time. And well, it was a bunch of this teaching. A bunch of this teaching was coming to head in my mind, too. Yeah. And I had to make some decisions that my parents did not approve of. Mm-hmm. Um which led to a lot of stress in our relationship and making me feel like I was, yeah, well, this teaching in action. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that was disobeying God by not having their approval, um, even though I was early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stress came through with migraines and just being sick and um, calling sick at work fairly often. And I was told that it was because God was punishing me. So there's the judgment. Yeah. And they didn't ask. They didn't try to ask or understand or see what was going on. It's just the judgment. I mean, they didn't approve of what I was doing. And I was sick. There you go. Tung, tung. Reason is figured out. Now it's your fault. Mm-hmm. And what stands out to me about that is these three reasons. The, the sickness, the... Unto death, unto... Unto death, unto glory of God, and unto repentance, I guess. Probably. Yeah, repentance, yeah. I mean, who decides whether you're, you're sick to the glory of God or you're sick unto repentance? And we live in <laughs> a fucking f- <laughs> fallen world. You get <laughs> yeah. sick. Our get bodies sick. are not perfect. Yeah. You will get sick, and for no damn reason. <laughs> like, sorry, but I'm kind of passionate on this one yes. because it hurt me so deep as a yeah. young adult yeah i'm passionate about it you don't judge people when they're sick mm-hmm. way to cut them when they're weak like yeah. it it's terrible sickness happens to the best people mm-hmm. you can take care of your your yourself the best way possible eat the best exercise be spiritual everything and get cancer mm-hmm. like it you can't just put it in boxes, but I think our human brains try to just put it in boxes yeah. so we can categorize it and then it's dealt with and it makes us feel better and it gives us control. Mm-hmm. But that's not life. It's not life. Life no. is not black and white. Life is in a gray. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's now at 37 that I'm really even grasping hold of that. Mm-hmm. That life is in the gray. It's not black and white. You can't have answers for everything. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I'll just mention I have a few podcasts on that. I have one called Pain, uh, where I talk about how it's our fear that makes us want to categorize things. And because when we see somebody in pain, we think, that could be me, that shouldn't be, and this could cost me. Mm-hmm. And when we say it's that person's fault, well, that's not me because I didn't make those same stupid mistakes. It's not yeah. going to cost me because I don't have to help them. And God is still just because he's suffering because of, you know, I think that's the, the lesson of Job. But religious people all throughout the ages blame victims and blame the sick. And it makes us feel self-righteous and makes us feel happy about being healthy. And, mm-hmm. But it, it is so soul-destroyingly evil, you know. Yeah. And it's really, really hurtful. Yeah, it is. Um, so the other, 
thing that we've mentioned a few times is that the only way to get out from under the umbrella is to get married for a young girl. I mean, theoretically, if she's 60 and her dad is 80, she's still under the umbrella. Yes. So that might not be the (laughs) ideal solution. Um, So Mr. Right might come along or Mr. Almost Right or Mr. Available. Well, whoever the dad approves of. (laughs) Whoever the dad approves of. All right. So how is that supposed to work? Well, that's probably a whole other podcast from Courtship. <laughs> Dating is evil. Dating le- leads to broken hearts and divorce. So you court instead. <laughs> so the dad has to go through a whole grilling... The guy has to go through a whole grilling process with the, with the girl's dad and has to have her approval and everything is done in groups and chaperones and... It's this kind of different layers that people have taken it, but courtship in general will be very group-based, interrogated by the dad, and the dad approved, and um, and then it leads into like emotional purity. So you shouldn't even like connect your hearts and like, get to really know each other. I mean, you get to know each other, but you shouldn't like like each other too much, I guess, because if it doesn't work out, you've lost part of your heart forever. Um, which is a whole other level of purity culture, which in itself is also another podcast. Um, <laughs> so what were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about courtship. And the only way to get out from under your dad is from to get married. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this makes me think, like, I mean, you could talk about it, but, like, what it makes me think of is sometimes... The relationship between the girl and the her dad is not the best, and um, the girl really wants to be able to get out of the family home. But if she leaves, she may get shunned by her family, or like mm-hmm. not shunned to have no communication necessarily, though that might happen. But shunned in that just judged and nonstop, and be out from her father's umbrella and be mm-hmm. open to all the evils of the world. Ex- she exposes herself. To all these evils. And then if something happens, she wouldn't even have support from her family because it'd be her fault mm-hmm. for leaving. So then the best way to leave is to get married. Mm-hmm. You get married. I mean, you might be 18. Well, lots of them would get married really young. 18, 17, 19. And get married because now you're out of the home. Yeah. But like, okay, we're 37 now and like these marriages don't last. Because how can they last? They weren't made right. They were made as an escape. It's not a way to start a marriage. No. Marriage is not an escape from your home life. No. And especially when you're entering into it based on, well, perhaps an escape, but then you, you're not having that emotional connection with the person. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the dad has arranged it or... Oh, you chose it and the dad approved. Mm-hmm. But you've had no life experience. You've been homeschooled at home, sheltered in your bubble. Mm-hmm. And then you get married and you have no life experience. So when you get where in your marriage, suddenly you have more freedom. Mm-hmm. So you're going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may not fit the person you marry. <laughs> you're going to find out. Hopefully you'll actually find out who you are. Because it, it mm-hmm. seems like if... Like we were talking about before, whenever dad has an opinion, you're supposed to agree with him. Yeah. So that if your dad is opinionated, you shouldn't have opinions pretty much. No. It seems like, or else you're just going to be wrong all the time. Yeah. Because if you have an opinion and disagree, then you're wrong. So it seems like a system that kind of teaches people not to have an opinion. If you don't have an opinion, you're not a person yet. Like. Yeah. And so then once you spread your wings, you find out who you are, which might be somebody completely different. Then. Yeah. And that will depend on who you marry. I mean, yeah. end up marrying someone who just replicates the same thing that your dad did. And then, then the dad from your home, mm-hmm. you know, like the dad that you had. And then you marry someone similar. Well, you still can't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. But you can pop up, pop out all the babies and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... And it, like the the dark side of that like the dark side of the patriarchy to me it it sounds like like this girl 
potentially like she's smothered under her dad and then she gets shipped off at a young age and then she has so many kids that she's overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and then the cycle perpetuates yeah you know because there's no there's no chance for her to ever catch her breath enough to figure out who she is and then you get into schooling i mean hi super super strong that we have to teach our own kids like homeschooling is the only way. I mean, it talks about in the Bible, you teach your own kids, you know, throughout the day. I forget the verse, but you know, like, the scripture talks well, about... there's a verse about, um, this word of the Lord shall not depart from you, but you shall write it on your doorposts and on your forehead and teach it to your children when you get down, when, when you rise and... Yeah, that you know, one. It's yeah. not necessarily talking about homeschooling. It's talking well, about... yes, but this is held as homeschooling okay. status wow. in the NATI. So when you're taught the evils of public school, the evils of peer pressure, the evils of being put in classes with kids only your age, now you'll never learn to relate to anyone else, any mm-hmm. other age. The evils of it all, then when you're burnt out... And you have 10 kids. Or maybe five, like me. <laughs> Not personal at all. <clears throat> then your mind starts to, has to wrestle with, home, with public school. Yeah. It's like, okay, public school could give me the break that I need. But then I'm failing by sending them to this evil institution and letting the government take control of them. Um or I keep them home and I continue the cycle of burnout and they get no education because I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. Which then there is detrimental to the kids because they're burnt out. But then you think it's better for them to be detri- to be to lack in their education than to be sent into the government's mm-hmm. fold and to be sent into peer pressure and to be sent into mm-hmm. the evils of public schools. So like the cycle just the mind struggle is real. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. I mean, this is the first year the kids are in public school, our kids. Yeah. And it's been great. Mm-hmm. It's been several weeks. It's been great. It's been exactly what I needed. And the kids are loving it and thriving and they're not becoming evil. <laughs> but it took years to get to this mm-hmm. point of us talking about it regularly to get to the point of trying public school. Mm-hmm. It's just that mental mental struggle. I think we we've talked a lot about it, but I think it's been there even more than what we I can even express. I mean, yeah. And what that makes me think of again is this cycle perpetuating. Because if then the wife is burnt out, the kids don't get a good education, then what are their options? Yeah. If they don't have a high school diploma, if they don't have those skills, you know, well then they end up, you know, in the same cycle. They can't get a job. They can't. But at least they were raised in the Lord. Well, that's great for the cult, but (laughs) it's not so great for her. Or the kids. Or the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then any kid that wants to deviate a little bit might still be following the Lord, but with more freedom. And they're taught that they're rebelling. And the other siblings have to be protected from this rebelling person so they can't talk to right to him i mean <laughs> yeah this has happened this has happened yeah my little siblings can talk to me because i was at bible school and mm-hmm. and we were courting but not, it was no longer approved mm-hmm. and i was considered to be rebelling because i started wearing pants and things like that a combination of things so And considered to be rebelling when you're finding freedom in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it seems like it's very much like this kind of reminds me of some of our missions training as far as like huh, um <laughs> <laughs> our dog is snoring in the background. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like some cultures are built on shame. Mm-hmm. And most Western cultures are not built on shame. I'm not exactly sure what the paradigm, what the our model is, but what they try to impress on us as we're going cross cultural is that you know some cultures are built on shame, which means everything is about gaining status. And mm-hmm. so, if somebody is shamed culturally, like their life could be over. You know, like and 
and and so you, the way you dress like you never wear shorts because as a man that would like bring down your status and like you just need to understand and it seems like ATI kind of imports this or kind of builds this shame culture mm. where like and so then like if you get sick and then like people say like oh that's because you're rebelling you know like it's shame you mm. know and and you want to do all the good things to like get promoted to like get the honor so that you're not shamed you know and but it just feels like there's so much comparison and like such a heavy weight of shame especially when people leave or when people are shunned or when people don't measure up it feels mm-hmm. like like a heavy weight of shame i guess which yeah. is a great like it's a very powerful way to control people yeah for sure yeah can people get kicked out of ati yep <laughs> How does that happen? I don't. So I don't totally know. Like I know people get kicked out. You know, teens or young adults that go work at the headquarters, head offices, and stuff. They can get kicked out by being too close friends with someone of the opposite gender, or I don't know, like dressing the wrong way or being too rebellious. Um, I don't know too much about that side of things actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I remember my parents like talking about like you have to homeschool when you're in ATI, you know, it's part of the agreement. And so when I went to a independent study high school to get my high school diploma, um, my parents did not want me to tell anyone <laughs> that I was going to public school um, because you're not supposed to do that in ATI. I guess. Good thing they did. Good thing they did not have a high school diploma. So mm-hmm. that's good. Um, but it feels weird, like, yeah, it feels weird that, like, I wasn't allowed to go to public school, or, like, mm. so I had to sneak it, Yeah, <laughs> and we live in the middle of nowhere and really north, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I know there's all kinds of stories of people being kicked out and stuff, I just, I can't really talk about it, because I don't know, I don't know it enough, mm-hmm. like, I've heard about it. But I can't come up with examples. Like, it, it's not really part of my experience. My sister could, actually. She almost got kicked out. So she could probably... <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> she could probably talk more about it. But I will pass on that question. Yeah. But it's interesting. Like, it, there people kind of live in fear of getting exposed or kicked out or having people talk about them. It will probably affect your... Your friendships, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you're in a big circle of ATI. I mean, some people live in areas where they home church with other ATI families and then mm-hmm. they use ATI in their homeschooling. So their whole circles are ATI. So it could be a pretty big loss if they didn't continue. But yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know much about that part. Mm-hmm. We were good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, our time is coming to an end here, but um, I just had one more question is something that seems really strange to me is this concept of like giving your father your heart, Mm -hmm. but you're not supposed to give your heart to your boyfriend, to your, what do you call it? A boyfriend? Is it a boyfriend if you're recording? (laughs) I don't know. I'm a little bit gun shy because when I asked your dad if I could date you, it like was the wrong word. (laughs) And Just I, word instead of dating, instead of courtship. I forgot to warn him. He needed to use the word court, not date. And it majorly backfired. It was terrible. And he never, ever forgot it. No. As, well, I mean, anyways. So I don't know. Do you do you call it boyfriend or do you call it... I guess, bow? yeah. <laughs> that would know. make more sense to use bow, but... Just everything 50 years from ago. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the rule. <laughs> but it's weird because, like, you know, like... God designed our bodies and our bodies have a flow and our bodies, you know, like they, they push in a certain direction. And then when you get to a certain age, you, you have crushes on one another and, and that's normal. It's not normal for a 17 year old girl to give her heart to her dad. But your dad is there to keep you protected. He's your authority. He's got the umbrella of protection over you. So by giving your heart to your father, he's there to keep it safe, to keep bad potential boyfriends away to it's just there to keep your heart safe um so are you supposed to like 
feel things for him or is it oh, like no. a, it's Ugh. a, okay. <laughs> well, I was confused about that because you're not supposed to feel things for other people. I think like, it's interesting because I haven't really thought much about it, um, except how much that hurt me. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but now that you mention it and we just talked about the umbrella of protection a little bit ago, I'm like, I wonder if it's kind of that same idea, like protect my heart, just like I'm under your authority and at my wedding... I become un- under the the protection of my husband, and then he can hold my heart. It just sounds so like. I want to say like, like a romance novel, but like written by somebody in high school or something like that doesn't understand how things work, like. And it can. You kind can, of backfire. Right. Like, can I share my little sure. story? Go for it. That has brought a lot of pain over the years. <laughs> As a teenager, I mean, I heard about this. Mm-hmm. So I went and bought a necklace. You know those best BFF, best friends forever necklace. So you have a heart and you give your best friend half the heart on the necklace and you keep the other half. And you know, I guess you wouldn't know it was a girl thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and then the king comes together and makes a full heart. Like it's yeah. your best friend. Mm-hmm. So I bought one of those and then I... I took my parents out for coffee and um, presented this half of the heart so that my dad could protect my heart. It's like, here, can you protect my heart for me until I get married? I was really awkward. It shouldn't have been awkward. I really met a lot of symbolism with it. Mm. Um, And it's really what we had been taught to do. Um, And it was a good thing to do. It was so awkward. And then I was told by my dad, well... Why don't you hold on to it so that I don't lose this heart? Like the, the physical piece, you know? But here I was trying to do something super meaningful. A figure, you know, like an illustration or like a, what do you call it? Um, just a symbol. A symbol. Yeah. Symbolism. And he gave it back because <laughs> he didn't want to lose it. And so, to me, since I was doing a symbolism, it's communicated. I can't take care of your heart. Like I... I don't know, it communicated rejection. Mm-hmm. That's what communicated. And it's come up in counseling <laughs> mm-hmm. years later. Um, so it's kind of this awkward thing because it seemed like what I needed to do, but it wasn't accepted. According to the teaching. But then, non-symbolically, that is what I needed to do. I mean, like my dad... You had to have his approval right. for everything. Mm-hmm. To ask me out, to officially go out, mm-hmm. to get married, no, get engaged, propose to me, um, mm. the wedding, like everything. So, yeah, it is a weird thing. I guess it must tie into the whole protection thing. Yeah. And also to the emotional purity aspect of it. It's not just... I mean, part of that, like in the U.S., I hear a lot of things about, like, father-daughter balls. Mm. Um, so the dads taking their girls out to these balls where, like, the girls will make a public pledge to be, to keep sex until marriage. Not mm. to keep, stay pure until marriage, not to have sex. And they'll sign this this document and everything. Um, and some of, some of these dads will give, like, these really big, fancy, nice rings to their daughters, too, and stuff. Like, we did not get into that. In my family, we were, we lived very remote and away from other HI families too. So I think that played into it, mm. um, us not going to that part. So we oh. got into parts of it, the idea behind it, but then it was a little bit awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but definitely the dad controls who, who you date, who you get engaged to, who you get married, um, because he's... It's the umbrella. <laughs> I guess maybe because of my Mennonite background, I just feel the 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 pledges. What what are they called? The convictions. Like that's basically a promise. It's like a vow. Yeah. And the word vow is used too sometimes. Yeah, and then this thing of like pledging your heart. It just it seems so off to me. But yeah, like like it's really something when you promise something. Yeah, and. It is. It, it just seems really... Well, it adds that whole guilt and shame that you were talking about. Yeah. If the girl 
has these physical urges mm -hmm. and starting to feel her sexuality, but she made this vow. Mm -hmm. Well, that just piles on the guilt. Mm -hmm. um, the whole system leaves no room for an organic growth to yeah. a boy-girl relationship or to trying it out or to like it there's just no organic growth like you go from being chaperone never alone together you don't hold hands you don't kiss you don't nothing to be married mm -hmm. well uh, <laughs> that doesn't work mm -hmm. like maybe it works for some people but i don't think that's how it should be that's not organic i don't know what the answer is honestly my kids my oldest is 12 like I just don't know how to view it all. I just know that that system does not work. Mm -hmm. Something like we had a really rough start mm -hmm. by following all those rules and mm -hmm. we were full of rules. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, On both sides of us. Yeah, yeah, both of us together. We would, yeah. our dates were sitting down to figure out our rules. Like, yeah. <laughs> and write them down <laughs> on paper. <laughs> and it still was never enough, according yeah. to my authority. Yeah. <laughs> but... So yeah, like how do we do this for our kids? Because it has to be an organic relation, re organic growth to a relationship, and that's part of that is putting your heart on the line. Yeah, I mean you can't. Once you're married, how are you gonna grow that love relationship? Mm -hmm. Like that happens all the time, even after marriage. But a big part of that happens before you're married. Mm -hmm. So if you're you feel guilted or ashamed if you fall in love, then like. This just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. like, Even getting your heart broken. Like, you know, trying it out and then realizing, oh, that doesn't work. You know, like, I'm thinking of a relationship that I had that didn't work. And then I figured out, like, oh, like, that sort of a person would never work. You know, in yeah. hindsight, you kind of figure out, like, I'm attracted to this sort of person, but actually it wouldn't work out long term. Yeah. You know? Well, you learn. You learn, you learn about yourself things. and you learn about what you need and... What to look for next time. Mm -hmm. So it's not wasted heartache. <laughs> yeah. It's not. But that's taught as being impure and you've lost that part of your heart forever. I don't feel any lack of love from you <laughs> because of that. Right. Like. <laughs> I mean, we joke sometimes about <laughs> these things, but I mean, it, I mean, that whole thing, it reminds me of, of legalism. Like, oh, yeah. Like the, you know, God said, don't eat the apple. And then when Satan was talking to Eve, she said, don't even touch it. You know, like, and that's the legalistic mm -hmm. attitude of like, yeah, well, we're not even going to touch it. Now we won't even go close to it. You know, you build more and more and more rules, but that just leads to more, like, it makes the whole system unreasonable. Yeah. And, and, and that's causes what, you to break the rules. That's what this whole system of courtship has become. Mm -hmm. Can it be done right? If you have very good people all around good parents good kids good like right. very reasonable people but like that i'm not sure if that exists <laughs> yeah well i appreciated modesty files had a podcast with somebody i forget who it is but she mentioned that courtship is not betrothal and it's not dating yeah and like if you go to india or whatever like you you could have an arranged marriage and go that route but they have certain expectations and they have a culture and they've been doing it for a really long time and you enter into it not expecting to have a hollywood marriage you yeah. enter into it expecting okay we you know this is get fresh to and, and you get to know each other and, and you grow in love you know yeah. but like the hollywood marriage is or like the western style marriage um you get to know each other as friends and you you develop that passionate relationship and that's a different, that's a completely different way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But promising people that we're going to arrange the marriage and then you're going to have that instant connection is just false advertising. For like courtship. that's not, yeah. it's not going to happen. And it's kind of this hybrid system, but it doesn't work. No. It like, and something I don't think we've mentioned yet, some people are probably aware, but um, Bill Gothard never got married, never had a family. He's a single guy that started his career very young in youth ministry and then started doing these seminars in the 60s. You know, the 60s was this time when, you know, rock and roll and hippies and all this stuff was happening and he figured out this system of basically, let's just follow the rules and, and obey the authorities. And it seemed like the the rules and 
an approval, it, it works and everybody was excited about it. But like, and he was a kid and maybe we can accept that, you know, he didn't know what he was talking about, but he just kind of stuck with it. And here we are, what is it, 50 years later, and they're still trucking along with the same system that this kid cooked up in the in the 60s. And it just, it just doesn't fucking work. No. And it's breaking hearts and... And families. And families and, you know, people trying to get, just do the right thing and get married and love one another. And it just, it just does not work. Yeah, it doesn't at all. It's a whole system set up that you do everything as set out or else you're hurt and you're shamed and you're, the voices in your head shame you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really set up like that. I mean, we've been married 15 years and I can still hear some of those voices in my head Mm -hmm. and I've been working and getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was only in ATI from the time I was like, I don't know. 15 yeah that's pretty wild so if you grew up in it even longer than that like it's just worse Mm -hmm. I think yeah and it seems like it sets everybody up to fail like even the father like you were talking about your heart and I and I was thinking like well it was just one thing but at the same time it's like but it sets it up where everything revolves around the father yeah so he can't make any mistakes because he is the kingpin of everything. Yeah. And that's not right either. And if he controls everything, well, at some point you, you just, you can't. Like it, can't. it becomes too big. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you have like 10 kids. <laughs> like, like then they get married. The and like, it's just, you're only one person. <laughs> yeah. There's only one of you to go around, which is why you encourage people to grow up and to think and to have... Yeah their own relationship with God, not try and have your relationship and with God. And just trust them. Trust them yeah. to make mistakes and learn from it. Trust mm-hmm. your kids. Like, trust them to... that you've done a good job and now let them live their life. Like, mm-hmm. we've made mistakes when we were younger. Well, our kids will make mistakes too. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't prevent that. Mm-hmm. Nor should you. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's kind of how you grew up. <laughs> yeah. And and the younger you make your mistakes, the lower the consequences. consequences. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciate this podcast. You've um, done all your questions? I've done all my questions. Wow. Did, is there anything you else Impressive. You want to say? Yeah. Oh, well, I could probably go on forever about ATI BS. <laughs> <laughs> quite a week you gotta yeah <sighs> we're gonna have to put an explicit label on this podcast mm, it's just a few words <laughs> i think i did pretty good he did pretty good <laughs> considering <laughs> oh. oh man thanks for letting me do this yeah and thank you guys for listening if you enjoyed this podcast head over to itunes store and give us five stars one for each of our kids (laughs) (laughs) and also leave a comment about how wonderful it is and that will just help people find this wonderful podcast and I wish you all well and just keep on seeking health this is just IMI for the Seeking Health Podcast talk to you later, bye